Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out www.nhte.net. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. We are coming to you from Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out on the web at www.cbpro, as in Crystal Blue Productions, cbpro.net. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. We are thrilled to be on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment, or as I've taken to calling it, NHTE. Well, unlike what you're used to hearing me say on each episode of this show, my guest is not joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line, and it's not because the guest is joining me today here in the studio, as I'm sometimes also heard saying. This is a first for the show, as I am out on location thanks to an opportunity through a tour coming through Tampa. So joining me today is the drummer on the Joe Walsh tour that plays here tomorrow night. He is a veteran musician and drummer whose career has spanned over 40 years of touring, recording, songwriting, and producing with legendary and rock and roll Hall of Fame artists. Along with vocals, he also plays percussion, keyboards, and flute. The list of who he has recorded and toured with is a virtual who's who in music history. He has had TV and film placements, co-produced albums, released three solo albums, and there is a book about him fittingly written by his wife. You have been hearing a song of his called I Play the Drums. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Joe Vitale. Hi. How you doing, Bruce? Hey, Joe. Many thanks for doing this today. Um, I'm looking forward to it down here in sunny Florida. (laughs) Well, I've got a ton of questions for you, but before I get too carried away, tell the listeners first, please, about the song that we were just playing called I Play the Drums. Okay, long long story, but I'll make it short. Um, uh, I always wanted to play a song uh, about being a drummer and featuring the drums and all that, but it was. Uh, I thought, oh, this will be the easiest song I ever had to write. It was not. Uh, I probably have 20 versions of this song. Wow. My son keeps telling me that I should put out a, a CD with all the versions of <laughs> but uh, w- w- what I was doing was just kind of it was it started out to be funny and um, uh, I was talking about my, my some of my original lyrics were like you know I could have played the sax I could have done this I could have been a farmer I could have you know I went through a whole list of silly stuff uh, and that but I said but I play the drums that's what I do for and I went back and forth so many times that the lyrics got actually got really good. Uh, they were funny and uh, they were fitting, and uh, but it just uh, never quite you know got. I didn't get it. I, I didn't like it yet. Hmm. And my wife, who listens to my stuff a lot, she said, "You know, it's called I play the drums, and and you're making a song out of it that's just more of a song instead of featuring the drums." And which made sense to me, so I tried another ten versions, <laughs> uh, versions, and it, that wasn't right yet either. And eventually, 
You know, the, the only thing I really needed to say in it was I play the drums and, and put a ton of cool drum licks and, and percussion and this stuff, you know, big band stuff and all that. And, and anyway, so I got fooling around with it one day and uh, I thought, well, maybe an instrumental, but uh, the way it eventually survived was it's called I Play the Drums, and that's the only lyric in the song, <laughs> I Play the Drums. And there's a lot of drums, and it was really fun to do because uh, I got rid of the, all the pressure of, is this line funny? Is this going to work? Well, what if I did this? What if I did... Mm. There's so many things I could have done in life, and so and you can't put them all in a song. But I did have some really funny lyrics, and I doubt that they'll ever surface uh, <laughs> as a song called I Play the Drums Again, of course, but... But uh, uh, it was it was years. I literally started writing. I play the drums in maybe the eighties, and this one was finished in two thousand eight. No kidding. So yeah, I just went through a ton of stuff and um, uh, hated every version. I loved the version to death, and then I hated it. <laughs> and then we, and then a month or two goes by, and we go to rewrite. And I then I loved it. Oh, this is it. And then I hated it. Wow. And so, yeah, it was a long process, but um, eventually we got it out as a, just an instrumental and the only line in the song is I play the drums. And it is fun. It's a lot of fun. And I get a lot of really good comments about it uh, as far as the, the drum performances and all that. So we're happy now. We're done. It's done. <laughs> I feel like, you know, I've had a lot of guests on the show who are songwriters and I go to songwriters festivals and I go to Nashville and stuff and I never it never dawned on me that I, I wonder if this is an accurate statement, that a songwriter's own worst enemy is themselves. Absolutely. You're your you're worst critic. And, uh, you know, you if you really, really love the song and, and you, you love listening to it and you never get tired of listening to it, you're done. Put it away, master it, get it out there. What happens with a lot of songwriters is they're so self-critical that... They go, is this good enough? Ah, I better change this. I don't know if they'll like this. I don't. The best thing to do is find about five people that are, that are totally different kind of listeners, people that you trust, people that are friends, but not necessarily family, because a family is going to love everything you do. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful, and it's really not wonderful. <laughs> and um, no, uh, find friends, uh, and not necessarily musical peers all the time, because sometimes those guys, they're like a little, they get a little too deep into their, you know, their critique, you know. And so uh, play it for people who you trust and that will give, be honest with you. And then, uh, get, you know, get all that data in, in one area, you know, in one little, uh, you know, box. Put it in a box and kind of see what the average feeling is about it. And then, and then you can make your decision. Very good. Well, uh, welcome to Tampa. Uh, the Joe Walsh tour plays here tomorrow night. Y'all were in uh, New Orleans last New Orleans, night. Last night, New yeah. Orleans. And uh, listeners, I'm also going to be interviewing Wendy Wagner, who is one of the singers with Joe Walsh in this tour. So catch that episode of Now Hear This Entertainment next week. Uh, but Joe, I will probably ask Wendy this same question. What about that, being in New Orleans last night and then a long bus ride of, I believe, 11 hours to Tampa. I'm, I'm thinking of the listeners who are up-and-comers, uh, performers, and, and thinking how glamorous it sounds to be on tour, but I want them to hear that even for people that have been touring for years, there are such things as 11-hour bus rides. 
Yeah, it's not it's not all glamorous at all times. I think that out of a 24-hour period in a given day, a show day, let's say, uh, you know, two hours on the stage is there's your fun time. Uh, that's why you do every. That's why you do the other 22 hours, <laughs> is to have that two hours of uh, fun on the stage. But uh, it's not like um, it's not like you think that it's just all fun and games. There's a lot of travel. You're tired. You're cranky. You're hungry. Uh, you know, and and you know sometimes you don't things just don't work out as planned, and and actually you can't really count on anything working out as planned. <laughs> you hire the best guys and the best crew that you know, which we have. And you know that no matter what, they're going to get it right. They're going to have it ready for you, no matter what obstacle. But there's all kinds of obstacles that, that you run into on the road. Uh, and it, all the people know that paid all that money for tickets is that, you know, we're here to hear, have a good show. And so, you know, they don't understand sometimes that, uh, you know, we, we, have, we share the same feeling. That's what we want to give them is a great show. But... Sometimes you show up at sound check and a gear is broken, or something. The lighting trust doesn't work, or you know there could be a million things go wrong, and you just have to, you know, you take one day at a time. And but yeah, we had a great show last night in New Orleans, and then right off the stage into the bus. And eleven hours later, we're in Tampa, and and a little bit a little bit weary, but we got we got sleep, and uh, thank God we got a day off today. Then we play here tomorrow night. Yeah, a few weeks ago, I had uh, my guest on the show was Tim Zach. He fronts a band called Whiskey Bent out of Nebraska. Uh, they actually just opened for Leonard Skinner in January, and the quote that he uh, that I had uh, logged from that show. He said, you have to be able to go on the road and trust one another and be able to, to be honest, be able to stand to be around somebody for 90 to 100 shows a year in a 15-passenger van. So this is, you know, this is not the Joe Walsh tour level. This is not the Joe Vitale world where it's a bus. Uh, so those of you who are listening who are up-and-comers, you know, learn from people like Tim, learn from people like Joe Vitale here. Don't get starry-eyed and think, you know, once you get there – Everybody's catering to your every whim, and it's uh, first class cushy. <laughs> Quite the contrary. Um, no, it's uh, you. If if you are starting out in this business or you want to do this for a living, the very first thing you have to learn is to be flexible, and, and you can't count on anything going your way. So you have to be mm-hmm. flexible, and you have to. You really have to have people skills and get along with people. You have to respect people just as you want them to respect you. Uh, there's a, it's an ego-driven job sometimes, and if you get personal or step on somebody's ego, you're, you're going in rough territory there. That's not good. And you got to learn to respect everybody. You just have to, you know, it's really personal to us as musicians, as singers, that if, uh, you know, you criticize somebody, you have to do it with love and care. You can't just say, man, that sucked. You, you know, you, you can't do that. And um, I'll tell you what, you really go a long way if you you respect people and you speak to them like you'd want to be spoken to. If you did something, then one of the people on the stage uh, thinks that it wasn't good or you could have done it differently or better, what have you. The way they approach you with it will 
eventually be the way it's resolved. So if it's if it's an attack, <laughs> that's not the way you want to do it. And so you have to learn how to talk with people because sometimes you have a valid point. If someone keeps singing out of tune or something, you got to figure out, all right, before you speak, don't say a word. Figure out how you're going to say it to them and where how you're going to get the best results. Because remember, your, aim, your, your, your target is for them to sing in tune or to play the drum fill in time or the guitar needs to be, be whatever it is. So that's your target is to end up with that, that result. And how you approach it is, is, how, is, is, is comparable to the results you get. So, um, you know, you got to learn how to do that. Yeah, really nicely said. I like how you say, think of how you would want that person to say it to you if, you, if there was a criticism that was coming your way instead of you going to them because that's, that's the role reversal that is about to take place. Well, it's it's personal. It's an attack. Uh, one guy one time on the road said, "Man, I hate that drum fill coming out." Whatever it was, I don't know what it was. And and uh, and he said, "Man, I, I just can't. I hate that drum fill when you do that." And and, and so, well, I because I'm flexible, <laughs> I said, "Oh, okay. What would you like?" He goes, "I don't know. Well, I don't know. Just for." See, that's the other thing, is if you're going to criticize somebody, first of all, do it kindly and with love, and then try and have an answer to, well, what would you do? What do you have? What would you suggest? You should have at least something, not just, I don't know, you know. <laughs> so, but most of the time, I would say 99% of the time, seriously, 99% of the time, musicians do have respect for one another because we are in the same game together. And they, like I said, they, they know what it's like when people, you know, criticize you like an attack. It's never supposed to be that. It's supposed to be, it's called constructive criticism. <laughs> so, yeah, you, if, you, if you, once you learn that, you, you'll be fine in this business. You'll, and you'll get great results and you'll end up being in a great band. Well, when you said before about Expect the unexpected. It reminded me uh, some years ago, my brother was throwing a, an expression around, hope for the best, plan for the worst. And I think that's kind of what you're saying is you never know. You might show up and they say, oh, my gosh, the lighting rig is broken and, you know, it's setting everything off schedule. Yeah, you have to know how to deal with that. And, and things can happen spontaneously on the stage where, you know, you, you just have to know how to deal with something. You know, um, uh, you cannot panic. Uh, you have to just actually, <laughs> I just kind of laugh at times, you know, just like, okay, well, this is new, but we'll deal with it. We'll, we'll make it happen. I guess you got to, after years and years of it, you know, I started out uh, very young playing in local bands, playing in bars and clubs, just as young bands do today. And, you know, you, you run into all kinds of crazy stuff there. And, uh, you know, I think with me what's happened, what happened was that with all the years playing in these dumps and these dives and these bars, uh, which is you have to do, you have to start somewhere, You when, when you finally get a, a shot to break out of that, you so appreciate uh, the, the next step and the, the next venues are nicer and, and, you know, the better conditions, better PA, better lights, more people. Uh, less drunks <laughs> to deal with, uh, you know, just uh, when you get out of the bar scene. So I, I really spent so much time doing that as a young musician that when I finally got on a concert stage, you know, nothing could offend me or bother me. It was so wonderful to be out of those bars and um, 
Uh, I don't take that for granted today, but I, I do appreciate the the, um, the ability to keep doing what I do, but now in a, at least in a nicer setting. That's great. Uh, thinking again of those same listeners who are listening to this interview and they're looking to take that next step in their career, what advice can you offer in terms of staying fresh every night, every performance, meaning here you are on a tour that has a set list of songs you're having to play over and over, night after night, with thousands and thousands of people watching you and having to recognize that for most of them, while you are in this show countless times, this is their only time seeing it. Well, it's mental. It's mental. What it is is years ago when, you know, through, throughout the years, I should say, when we recorded these albums, you record a record and you're so excited about playing them for the first time live to people, right? Uh, I remember when we did some of the Joe Walsh albums or the Crosby, Stills, Nash albums I did when, when, when after the album was done, the first time you go out and tour and you, you got a brand new record. Yeah. It was so fun to play these new songs. Mainly, we were a little nervous because we didn't know how they would react. But what was really great is when they actually liked a brand new song they had never heard and they they really liked it. That that really meant a lot to us, and um, it was really really nice to see that because uh, it could have gone either way. <laughs> you know, could they could have hated it, but but uh, and especially if they liked it, then maybe they'll go out and buy some records, you know, or buy some CDs now or whatever. But um, the way to keep that fresh is it's mental. I just put in my head that you remember some of these people. You know, there's a bunch of people. We've been around a long time. So they've probably seen us play a few times, you know. But there's still people out in the audience that may have never seen a Joe Walsh concert. Or I, I run into people all the time. It's like the first time. Or they haven't seen this tour. So they've seen Joe Walsh before, but they haven't seen this tour. Exactly. And so I put it in my head. It's a mental state you put yourself in that, you know what, there's people out here who have heard us play these songs a thousand times. Or there's people out here that have never heard it. And just for those people alone, you want to really play it like it's the first time the whole audience has heard it. Uh, I'm just, Like I say, I'm just, I grew up in playing in bars where, you know, at the end of a song and you did a great job in it band was rocking and you were so good and at the end of the song you get like no applause and people go hey I play something else or you know I don't ever forget that and and to to end a song with 15,000 people out there on their feet cheering I mean that that means a lot to me and I don't I don't take that for granted so uh, I'm excited to play those songs every night for whoever's out there, you know. And um, like I say, you do end up with a lot of people that maybe have never seen Joe Walsh live, you know. And so you want to do a good job for this. My father was a musician, and he always taught me that if you you have one person out there or a hundred hundred, you do the, your performance should not be altered by the amount of people that are out there. And uh, you know, a funny story when we started out with Joe. With Walsh, a couple of shows we did, we had Kiss. We were playing with Kiss, and that nobody had ever. Some they just started out, and we were we'd open the door and look in the building, and it was like, oh no, one of these horrible buildings. It sounded terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, stage was too small. You know, horrible conditions, right? And here comes Kiss. And there's like, you know, 50 people in the audience and Kiss with full-on makeup, 
full-on show with lights and this, the whole stage thing. And, you know, th that was inspiring because uh, I, I, I do remember that. I won't forget that, that, you know, we were like, oh, man, another hole in the wall we're playing because we were just starting out and so were they. But they, and we, we still, we gave it our all, but they even took it a step further. They went into their full kiss makeup and all this sort of stuff, and we thought, wow, for 50 people, you know, they really get, you know, that's something to, yeah. you, you have to admire that, you know, yeah, and, know. and look what happened to them guys. They got <laughs> huge, and they're still huge, you know. Uh, back on episode 78 of the show, we stepped outside the lines a little bit. Uh, the guest was comedian-slash-actor Mike E. Winfield. He's been on The Office, The Late Show with David Letterman, Comedy Central, Showtime, a whole bunch of others. And Joe, I asked him, what do you do on those days on the road, Mike, when you're just hanging around the hotel? And he said he works on writing more new material. So how about you? Today is a day off for you. Will you go out and sightsee? Will you stay in the room and sit with your computer and catch up on stuff? Will you sleep? Will you all of the above? <laughs> uh I don't do a lot of sightseeing because at this point I've been to every one of these cities <laughs> a million times and I love them all, but I've seen in a lot of these cities. Of course, I'll do some sightseeing if I'm at a place that I've never been, but uh, like I say, it, it, by this point in my career, I've been to a lot of cities over and over and over the same cities. and so. But what I do normally, and I don't have it in, in the room right now, it's it's down on the bus, which I will get later. Uh, I bring a keyboard on the road with me, and I do the same thing. I write songs. Or with my laptop, I work for some other artists, and I do editing, and I do uh, different, you know, different projects for other people, and you can do everything in a laptop now. It's amazing. And uh, so, no, I don't, uh, I don't waste any time. I mean... It, obviously, sometimes I just sleep because you you got to catch up. If you lose sleep on a two or three day run where you you have travel and shows, you eventually you, you, you I don't want to get sick. That's the worst thing to do. But I, so I get a little bit of sleep when I can. But um, no, I I keep busy. I, I write. I, I produce a few artists, and so I work on that in, in with my laptop, and uh, I do virtual sessions uh, for mm. people. And uh, drum tracks, and um, uh, that it's been really fun to do that. They send me files. I record drums for them, and uh, and so uh, I'm always busy doing something like that. Outstanding. I am Bruce Wozniak, and today I am joined on location by veteran musician and drummer Joe Vitali. Visit his official website at www.joevitaliondrums.com. He also has a Facebook page, so be sure to find and like that. And he is on YouTube as well. You can find links to his Facebook page and YouTube channel on his website. You can also purchase Joe's music from iTunes and CD Baby. Of course, there is the book, too, entitled Backstage Pass, written by Susie Vitali. You can buy that from JoeVitaliOnDrums.com as well. Be sure that you're also checking out www.nhte.net, as in Now Hear This Entertainment, nhte.net. For every episode of this show, we've got the full audio on nhte.net, plus the guest's photo, a link to their website, and quotes from the guest on each show. Sign up for the e-newsletter at nhte.net and subscribe to this podcast and tell others about it, too. Subscribing is free. It makes it very easy to get the show every week on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or by following on SoundCloud. We are thrilled to now be on Google Play Music also. 
Go ahead and use the social media buttons on nhte.net to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and to follow on Twitter and or Instagram. If you're a new listener to the show, thank you very much, and please do check out some of the prior episodes of Now Hear This Entertainment. We've had a lot of great guests along the way so far. As always, many thanks, of course, to those who are not first-time listeners. I very much appreciate your time and your interest and support. And by the way, whether you're going to look for Joe's music and or other music, uh, the Backstage Pass book, whatever, uh, go to nhte.net and click on the tall Amazon banner to get there so that you can help this show in the process of buying whatever it is that you need from Amazon. Joe, this show has gotten listeners in 116 countries around the world, so despite your longevity, uh, there will actually be people hearing you for the first time. So they should probably get educated on all things Joe Vitale by reading Backstage Pass, but um, just talk about that book uh, for, for those listeners who are being introduced to you for the first time. Well, one of the things, uh, you know, being on tour, and especially now with um, a lot more uh, tour bus travel than uh, airplane, we, we do both, but mostly bus, um, you know, the, when you're done with the show, there's about a two-hour period of time to wind down. You have maybe a little something to eat, and you wind down on a bus uh, when you head out of town and heading for the next show. And before you, you know, lay down and go to sleep, there's always like a two-hour of, it's just a cool-down period, a wind-down period, because you've been just on the stage. And you talk, and you hang out, you eat, you watch TV, whatever you do. And for all these years, we would, uh, all musicians do this, too. We call them road stories. And um, they're just like, there's always all this hilarious stuff. There's a lot of mutual friends that we have in the business. And, you know, know, a lot of, I remember when we did this show with so-and-so and and the Rolling Stones were there, whatever. You have all these ideas and uh, and, and funny stories. Anyway, and I, I, having toured all my life and recorded, I've been around a lot of these people uh, in very close quarters and in the studio or on the road. And there's just these hilarious things that happen all the time. And um, so we tell stories. And uh, for some reason, um, all these people for years, in, including my lovely wife who wrote the book, she, the, everybody said, man, you got you to gotta write a book. These stories are just, you know, you got to write a book. And I never even considered it because I'm a musician. I don't, I'm not an author. I don't really do that. But I do have a ton of pictures and stories. There's uh, over 750 pictures in the book, which people really love. Wow. And what I would do is I would tell the story, but I have a picture to go along with it. And it's really cool to see the picture. And, you know, like when we had the, the hotel water fights with Joe Walsh. Well, I have a picture to, to prove it. Uh, and on and on and on. I have... Um, all these stories, and it's not it, the book is about about me, but it's my it's my journey through my career. It's not just about me. It's not it's not a biography, but it isn't just about me. It's about all the people I've worked with, and all the tours and recording, and uh, so that's why people uh, who like you know the Eagles. There's a, stories about the Eagles, Joe Walsh, Ted Nugent, Crosby, Stills, Nash, Peter Frampton, John Lennon, all the people I've ever worked with. There's a ton of stories about every one of them. They're all very funny. It's a no-dirt book. Uh, I don't believe in dirt books, although I read them and I, I, I see what people, you know, I, I get it. But my stories are really funny and um, 
and everybody that I've worked with, it, there's always something funny that happens, and uh, anywhere from funny to absolutely hilarious. <laughs> and so we wrote them down, and um, um, that's how I ended up with the book. It was a lot of work. I basically just had to tell stories to my wife and dig out the pictures and all that, and she's the one that wrote it, and she wrote it brilliantly. And um, we have a, uh, uh, my sister-in-law is a PhD, and she, she did the proofread. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a family affair, you know, and it's a family thing. And um, But uh, we're getting really, really great comments about it, and um, uh, it, it is enjoyable. And it's the kind of book where it's not like a novel where you, you know, or a book like where you have to start at the beginning. You can pick it up and pick, pick a chapter and read about it, you know. And um, so... Uh, we finally did it. I mean, uh, it was a lot of work, uh, but but I did take my wife's and um, all my friends' advice, and they said, "Man, you got to write. You got to put this stuff down." And and they said, "I hope you're taking notes." And I, I don't need to take notes. I remember all this stuff, you know. And um, and uh, unfortunately, the only thing is that the, the, the book was written and out before my experience doing the movie Ricky and the Flash with Meryl Streep. Which was would have been great for the book, so I guess I, I might have to make write another book. Yeah, there, might, there might be a uh, a volume two yeah. in the future for for backstage pass. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment, where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is you have to be willing to give away music or merch for free for promotional reasons. If you meet someone influential, it's a standard business practice to hand them something as a kind gesture. Mind you, this is not a wave your CD in their face move, but something that you extend as a courtesy that will make a good impression. Consider what you have available for this type of PR opportunity and always have something with you for unexpected such opportunities. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. How about that? Helpful? There are a whole bunch of tips just like that over all the prior episodes of this show. To make it easy for the listeners out there who are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers to get the tips in one concise format, there is a Bruce's Bonus Book Volume 1 and a Bruce's Bonus Book Volume 2 for purchase in ebook format, giving you all the tips from episodes 1 to 40 and 41 to 80, respectively. Just go to www.brucesbonusbook.com for online ordering and instant delivery. Part of your story, the the expression is used that Joe was born into a musical family. That obviously is a reference to your father? Yes. My father was a musician. My brother was a musician. My uncles were musicians. Mm. And... uh, uh, and I was surrounded by music. I joined the Musicians Union when I was uh, 16. And um, so I, 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 it's not that my father and mother really didn't push music on me, but my father recognized that, that I was a music. I had it in me. So they, uh, they, you know, they supported it and all that. But, you know, a lot of families, they push kids to do certain things and they don't necessarily want to do them. They didn't really do that. They just uh, responded to what they saw in me. And I was beating up my mother's pots and pans. And uh, so my father said, I think he, he's going to be a drummer. And uh, 
And uh, there's a reference to all that growing up in the book. Uh, there's pictures of me at some one of our friends got married, and I was like three years old. I'm about two and a half feet tall, and I'm standing next to the drum set on the stage in the background, just admiring it. So there were there were signs that yeah, that's probably what I'm going to do. You know, I I want to blow your horn for you a little bit here. Um, number one, because uh, listeners Joe and I are meeting each other for the first time, but I can tell you seem very humble, and and although you rattled off a list of names. It was in the context of what people can expect to see in the book. But this list, listeners, is so impressive that if I would have tried to recite it all during the intro, the song would have finished and I would have still been reading it. But Joe has recorded and toured with Ted Nugent, Joe Walsh, Dan Fogelberg, Peter Frampton, The Eagles, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. This is just to name a few. Uh, he has also recorded with Rick Derringer, Ringo Starr, John Lennon, Keith Richards, Bill Wyman, Ronnie Wood, Van Morrison. I'm losing my breath. <laughs> Carl Wilson, Don Felder, Boskags, John Entwistle, many others. <sighs> wow. <laughs> I feel one, like- one you left out, which I love, only because I love the record we made, is I made Zach Wilde's uh, solo uh-huh. album. And he had just, uh, I think he was, at that time, he was with Ozzy or just finishing up with Ozzy. I don't know exactly what when it was. I can't remember. It, it was late, like, late, eight, uh, late 80s, early 90s, whatever. And that was such a good album. He's so good, Zach Wilde. Love that guy. He's a great guitar player. And, and i got to say, I, I feel like I'm sitting in front of rock royalty here. <laughs> I, you know, we talked about the long bus ride aspect of being a touring musician, but... I mean, you you have to have made so many fond memories over the years working with names like those. And I know we talked about the book, but as you said, it's the book has been out for a few years, so you're still making memories, as the, as the saying goes. Yeah, uh, it, it, it every tour is a memory. You know, every there's always uh, some, every day is there's something that, that to to remember. I I I don't really have a written kind of diary. I don't do that. That's kind of, you know, not what I do. But um, I don't forget much of anything as far as, you know, highlights of a day. I don't diary, have a diary that, that, that talks about all day. But I, if something, one thing that was really cool happens during a day, I won't forget it. I remember things like that. And um, you kind of associate a city with, with, you know, things like that. And... Um, and like I say, in the book, uh, with the book, the pictures really help. It's nice to look at a, p- a picture. It, it, it kind of brings you back there, and it also kind of dates things as to when it was. And, and it really, it, everything's related in, in photographs. And you could see people there, and you might not remember when it was, but you'll see somebody in a photograph, and you go, oh, now I remember. He worked with us this year or that year. So it kind of dates itself. Um, but, no, I... I, I I might do another book. <laughs> so much work, I gotta tell you. But so many things, that, cool things, have happened since the the end of the last book. That um, uh, I mean, really cool things and different things. I would have never expected um, to be in a movie. Uh, that that was that's not what I do. But all of a sudden, I'm in a movie, and um, and then uh, I mean, just three and four nights ago, I had the, the great experience of playing uh, Rocky Mountain Way with Joe Walsh alongside with Ringo. Ringo was playing wow. drums with me the other wow. night. And that, that I mean, it, it, it's, it just never fails that something... You know, that's what I love about this job so much is that uh, it, 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 it's, it's really widespread as far as emotions. 
It can go from, man, this day really sucked, to this was the greatest day of my life. Somewhere in between there is, is Thursday. You know? And so you never know what to expect. Um, uh, the other night, uh, you know, I knew Ringo was going to be at our show because that's Joe's brother-in-law. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask you to connect the dots for the yeah. listeners. We played in Los Angeles, so obviously there was all these people. Dave Grohl was there, and, and, and um, just everybody was there. It was L.A. Even Bette Midler was there for some reason. And anyway, so Ringo, I knew Ringo was going to be there because uh, it's Joe's brother-in-law. And so, um, and we come down off the, and Joe said uh, to me, he says, you know, I'm going to ask Ringo to play Rocky Mountain Way. And I said, oh, fabulous. So uh, I didn't think, uh, that I was, you know, he said I was going to ask Ringo to play. So I said, great. So when I, we walked down the stage, off the stage, uh, Rocky Mountain Way is our first encore. So Ringo was down there. Hey, I said, hey, Richie, how you doing? And um, he says, you're going to play Rocky Mountain Way with me? I went, well, you know the song. Why don't you play it? And he said, no, 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 no. You play the song with me. We'll both play. You start, I'll fall in. I said, man, I'm honored. And I, so we go up there. We killed it. It was great. He, he's so good. Amazing. And to look over, at, you know, 52 years ago, I figured it out the other night, 52 years ago, I watched these guys on Ed Sullivan, which changed my life. Mm. And uh, so did everybody my age, any, and especially musicians. Anybody who watched the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, February 9th, 1964, changed your life forever. Uh, I think they changed the world, but I think they changed my life forever as a musician, right? And, and all of a sudden, to I mean, I've recorded with Ringo. I've worked on his records and all that, but I never played double drums with him, with him sitting next to me and we're both playing drums. What a thrill, you know. And uh, I, I'm just, I'm like a little kid in a candy store. I, I, it never, never am I, uh, it, never was I expecting that. And um, it was just so fun to look over and see a, a Beatle. <laughs> Well, so I have to wonder then, sitting across from a veteran rock drummer such as yourself, <clears throat> and, and listeners, if, if you've listened to a lot of episodes of the show, you know that every now and then I will slip in a reference to my all-time favorite band, which is Rush, uh, and obviously Neil Peart. Um, Joe, I wonder, um, which drummers, you know, you mentioned Ringo, but have you admired over the years? Are there drummers that maybe you've even become, you know, pretty close with? Um, yeah, um I was I was I started out being trained in jazz from because of my father and so my my jazz heroes were Buddy Rich and of Gene course. Krupa yeah. and you know and all them greats they, they were amazing drummers um, and and once uh, early sixties once I started paying more attention to rock and roll uh, and then the Beatles hit like we said in in nineteen sixty four. Uh, I, I fell in love with Ringo. He, he's a hero of mine. I love his drumming, and what he did with the Beatles was absolute perfect drumming for the Beatles. Um, uh, John Bonham with Zeppelin. Everybody loves John Bonham. I mean, come on. And Keith Moon with the Who. Um, the, uh, there, there's so many that, that you know. Every drum. I, I don't have one drummer that I, I I think is the greatest. I think they're all the greatest. They all were the greatest in the bands they played with, and they could go on and play in any band, and they'd be great. But um, I, I think I have, instead of naming one drummer that's my favorite, I think it's more like, I probably got like five styles of music, and those are the, the drummers. That, like, like, for instance, like you said, Rush, like nobody could play that music like Neil Peart. Nobody. Yeah. 
and and I don't care who they are that he owned that mm-hmm. that was his gig and I love his drumming uh, and um, and like I say uh, the who uh, with Keith Moon and you know there's nobody else that that does it like he did but any drummers that uh, that oh I'm actually really close with so and so or is it no these are just guys that I've admired over the years um I'm not really close with any of those guys. I did uh, well. Actually, I was got to be pretty close with um, with Keith Moon because of all the touring with them guys, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and we got to be close. And um, I never did meet uh, John Bonham, uh, uh, and um, but we I saw him many times, and um, and you know, like I say, that I don't have. A, a closeness like a personal friend with some of these guys um, but I, I, I feel close to them as a musician and um, admire their work yeah I was going to say uh, professional respect total yeah. total respect yeah. and, and, and what's really the, the, the best way to gauge your respect is just sit down and play a Rush song and try to play what Neil played or play a Zeppelin song and play and mimic Bonham or Ringo or Keith Moon or any of these guys. And I did have a great favorite in the 60s before these guys also uh, was um, uh, Dino Dinelli from the Young Rascals. There's not a drummer that I know, at least my age, that didn't admire Dino Dinelli from the Young Rascals. He was just amazing. He, his whole thing was great. Anyway... Uh, but if you sit down and you work out some of the drum parts, uh, like like the drum part that Ringo played on, uh, just give you one example of, of hundreds, uh, like come together. The drum part, uh, just just sit down and play that, and you'll go, this is genius. Who, who came up with this drum? He did, you know. Mm-hmm. And you play uh, anything Zeppelin, any John Bonham. If you work out these drum parts that these guys, your heroes, played, you will ha- gain even more respect for them. Nicely said. I am Bruce Wozniak, and today I am joined on location by veteran musician and drummer Joe Vitale. Visit his official website at www.joevitaleondrums.com. He also has a Facebook page. Be sure to find and like that. And he is on YouTube as well. You can find links to both his Facebook page and his YouTube channel on his website. You can also purchase Joe's music from iTunes and CD Baby. Of course, there's the book, too, that you've heard him talk about. It's called Backstage Pass, written by his wife, Susie Vitali. That is available for purchase on joevitaleondrums.com. Be sure that you're also checking out www.nhte.net, as in Now Hear This Entertainment, nhte.net. For every episode of this show, we've got the full audio on nhte.net, plus the guest's photo, a link to their website, and quotes from the guest on each show. Sign up for the e-newsletter at nhte.net and subscribe to this podcast, too, and tell others about it as well. Subscribing is free. It makes it very easy to get the show every week on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or by following on SoundCloud. We are thrilled to now be on Google Play Music, too. Go ahead and use the social media buttons on nhte.net to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and to follow on Twitter and or Instagram. If you're a new listener to the show, thank you very much. Please do check out some of the prior episodes of Now Hear This Entertainment. We've had a lot of great guests along the way so far. I mentioned Tim Zack from Whiskey Bent a few weeks back. And as always, many thanks, of course, to those who are not first-time listeners 
Very much appreciate your time and your interest and support. And as I mentioned earlier, if you're going to look for Joe's music and or other music or the Backstage Pass book or whatever it is, go to nhte.net and click on the tall Amazon banner to get there so that you can help this show in the process of buying whatever it is that you need from Amazon. Joe, I wonder, uh, from the category of you learn something new every day, are you still learning something new? Um, or, you know, when it comes to playing the drums, or is it maybe learning new technology or even new recording gear or techniques, things of that nature? I do. It's a never-ending process. You learn something every day. Every show you learn. I learn something mm -hmm. every day. Um, uh, whether it's uh, on my laptop, editing, or that sort of stuff, it's always cool to go, oh, that's what that button does, or that's, <laughs> if you click on that, that's so cool, and whatever. But uh, live on the stage, you know, you, you, you do. If you you got to keep your eyes and ears open, and, and you, you know, we'll, <clears throat> we'll play something that we play every night, but for some reason... Uh, one night uh, it, it will be better, and you wonder why is it better? You know, I want to know that, and um, and you learn different things, and and you realize that um, if it, 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 there's struggles when you're first working out tunes, and for young musicians, you got to know this that there it doesn't always happen the first time you rehearse a song or something, and also it's a it's a it's a process that evolves. And when you play a brand new song on a stage live for the first time, uh, you, you know you, you can't expect it to be that matured sound uh, uh, six weeks from now, and and you learn that as you go. So I learn every night that it, it, you know, depending on, uh, let's say I play a certain drum fill. Well, if the band is sloppy coming in, uh, I better try a different drum fill. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't feel my where's one two three four one they didn't feel it like i was feeling it right so i'll alter my drum feel anyway that that kind of stuff you learn something new every night that you play and you and uh i always try to just make every night better than the night before uh, even if the night before was great and, and stellar you still try to you know you try to beat it and you do your best all the time i don't take anything for granted and and you can never get comfortable in your set you can't. It's nice when a, uh, you learn the set so well that it just kind of flows and floats by, and just really nice and easy going. But you can't take that for granted. And um, uh, if you start taking that stuff for granted, then you will be lax on your performance. I think. Uh, I mentioned before the long list of artists that you've recorded and toured with, but you also produced your son Joe Junior's first yep. album. How special was that for you? pretty amazing it's pretty hard though to draw the line between producer and dad <laughs> that was that was where we had difficulties a couple of times but we got over it right away and uh because you know you have to speak to your artist as producer and at the same time you are speaking to him as dad and son so and and i have much respect for him as a musician and his knowledge and he um uh he was a great artist to work with and you know i respect that you know that there were some things where we had a little bit of arguments about because about a style or a sound or what have you but then again 
he's I respect him as an artist and he knows what he's doing and maybe that was just my opinion or my personal preference or taste a personal taste and uh, yes a producer is to be listened to and you, you trust your producer but that doesn't mean that your personal taste in in something uh, should be defeated by him and so um, we, we had a, a, a wonderful time making that record. It's a great record, and um, uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's so rewarding, to, first of all, to, to see your son follow in your footsteps, and equally as rewarding to, uh, to, you know, to, to watch his progress and see, see him kind of just go through the trials and, and, you know, it's the trials and errors that you went through, but it's part of the deal. you got to go through that. You can't, I don't believe in overnight success. Uh, if there, if it is, it doesn't last but a few, few years, maybe. Uh, anytime you've heard of an artist that was overnight was successful, I don't know. Those, those careers just don't seem to put roots in the ground, you know? Well, and the fact that you are his dad still doesn't mean that there's going to be this shortcut that he's going to be able to take just because you're his dad he still has to go through the growing pains and learn the lessons and then put in his time that's exactly correct uh we you know you can't assume that because i know this guy or that guy or i've done this or that that i i i can possibly i can't necessarily open doors for i can knock on doors and they'll answer because of my reputation or people i've worked with but you know, you're kind of, you still know, at the end of the day, you're on your own, and you have to d deliver the music and the goods, and so, so we pretty, he's in the midst of uh, recording a, a new, uh, he's going to do, working on his second album now, his first album, Dancing with Shadows, really good, remarkable for such a young person to come up with such a matured, uh, a wonderful album, and, uh, and again, he learned a lot too, just as I did on my first solo album. Boy, you learn a lot your first record. That's I think that's some of the most you I've ever learned is when you make a record and you think you know what you're doing, and and uh, by the end of the record you you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> and and but you because of the the process and and the edge you got quite an education doing it that. Um, it only gets easier and better after that. And one thing I wanted to make a, a comment about uh, on our book, Backstage Pass, if you do purchase it through our website, uh, the one thing we do is we do sign them and personalize them. And that's one thing that's really been nice. People really have enjoyed that, that they actually get a book that's personalized to them and signed. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So listeners, make sure you buy it through Joe's website. That's the way that you'll get it. Uh, signed and personalized. Um, and I also want to mention um, episode 107 of the show, listeners, go back and listen to that. I talked to David Fader, who's a guitarist down in the Florida Keys. He talked about similar experiences that he has uh, with his son. His son plays as well and uh, told some, some similarly interesting stories like you're hearing from Joe. Um, we're about out of time, but uh, just take a moment or two here, Joe, to talk about Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Oh, okay. Um... I had heard about this. Uh, we had worked with uh, the, the owner, the CEO and owner of Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp is a gentleman named David Fishoff, and uh, he's been doing it for many years. He uh, used to manage um, 
uh, actually managed the Monkees years ago, mm -hmm. and he worked with Ringo Starr in the All Star Band, and so he, he's been in the business quite a while. He's very knowledgeable. He's a, a terrific businessman and a, and, a, and a wonderful person, and he um, he probably went to or knows somebody who went to years ago the old baseball fantasy mm -hmm. camp or baseball camp, whatever. It's similar to that. It's, it's a little different, of course, but. Um, he, he, he designed this rock and roll fantasy camp and there's usually like two big, big name celebrities. And, uh, and then I'm a counselor and, uh, I'm a counselor and you get, you, you manage to become a counselor by having, you know, been around for a long time, played on a lot of records and, and a lot of hit records too. So you have a reputation yourself. We're, we're not the big celebrities, but we're the guys that, that all these people listen to for years and they they appreciate our knowledge and our experience in all the years, and so uh, the fancy camp set up with usually two big name celebrities, like like we did one once with Brian Wilson and Jeff Beck, and there's one with, you know with Joe Perry and adult Roger Daltrey, and they always bring in some major name, and um, and then we have counselors like myself and Rudy Sarzo and. And um, uh, we had Kip Winger for a while, and uh, Billy Hanchy from the Beach Boys, and and I don't know, just so many. Um, Vinny uh, Apsi, this brother with uh, with uh, Carmine Apsi, just just all these guys. That they're actually we all know each other from being on the road for so long, <laughs> and um, it's really fun. It's a four day camp. It's so fun. And, you, and all these uh, people from all walks of life, all ages, we got them from 14 years old to, to 80. <laughs> and, they, and they come from everywhere in the entire world. Wow. And uh, they, some are beginners and some are advanced. They're very experienced, very good. I had a camper once that was this shredder. He was a killer guitar player. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, do you ever think about doing this for a living? He was about 50 years old. I said, man, you are really a good guitar player. Do you ever think about doing this for a living? And he goes... I'm a surgeon. Wow. <laughs> I, I said, you're doing all right. <laughs> that, oh, okay. A funny, real funny story about this real quick. These guys come and some of the guys that have, have gone on with different jobs in life, walks of life, and, but they kept their guitar in their mom's closet or something like that. You know, and they bring these guitars out to camp and all of a sudden they open the case and it's like a 1961 Strat or something that mm. all the stars and the celebrities are looking at like, hey, you want to sell that? Because... They know what they have, though, trust me. But now, Rock and Roll, man, it's fun. I've done about 11, 12 camps, and um, I plan to do more when I have off time. Awesome. And uh, it, they're, it, they're just, they're very rewarding because you, you start with five, six guys, whatever's in your band. You're the leader, and they're the camper, camper band. And at the end of four days, you have to develop in where we play, uh, we play in front of a live audience. And that's that's a difficult task, that's cool. you know. But it, it, it they're that's really cool. good about it, and we always ha it's always fun. I'll bet, I'll bet. Uh, we're going to close today with the Joe Walsh song "Rocky Mountain Way." Before we let you go, just tell the listeners about this song. Uh, wrote it with Joe Walsh, recorded it in 1973, and we've been playing it ever since. <laughs> and it's uh, and it's your first encore song, you said, on this tour. Yes. All right. Well, Joe, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you letting me come and do this with you. And uh, just 
I'm going to say continued best wishes, but uh, I, th- I think you're going to do all right in this business. If well, I may say so myself, you're going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> well, thank you, Bruce. It's been wonderful talking with you. And this is a such a great, great site. And uh, I, I'm, I'm a, already a fan. Awesome. Thank you so much. Listeners, that will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to my guest, Joe Vitale. Do check out his website. It's www com, and then engage with him on social media. So that means like his Facebook page, subscribe to his YouTube channel, and then watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell him you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment, and do purchase his music. It's on iTunes and CD Baby. And remember about Backstage Pass, the book that his wife wrote. It's available for purchase through jovitaliandrums.com, and if you order it through that site, you will get a personalized copy signed. Don't forget to visit www.nhte.net and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. Give us a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio too, hopefully accompanied by a five-star rating. That really does help the show a lot. If you are listening on SoundCloud, remember that you can like and repost episodes there, and you can also follow on SoundCloud. Let's get your feedback on the show, too. Post your comments or questions on the Now Hear This Facebook page. There are links to it and Twitter, and even the Now Hear This official YouTube channel on nhte.net. Plus, there's a link there to this show on Instagram, or send us an email. The email address is on the contact page of nhte.net. Thanks for listening. We'll send you out today with a song from Joe Walsh. This is the one Joe Vitale just talked about. It's called Rocky Mountain Way. 